Now, let me ask you something here in this study. Are we, are we strictly uh, limited to some particular theme subject? All right. I, I would like to stress something that probably I feel the leading of the Lord in, that probably is ever-increasing in intensity in me. If we was to start out in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and look at a scripture here, which I'm always amazed how shallowly people uh, read the scriptures or how little it affects them. For example, hold your place there in 1 Corinthians 2 and I'd like to go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. <coughs> Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the first verse. Therefore, let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to come short of it. Now, I'm always, I'm always allowing the scripture to challenge my heart. I don't necessarily ever read the scripture with my mind. But I... I have trained myself to imagine that the Lord Jesus is standing here right in front of me and he's talking to me very personal with this scripture. He says, Royal, I want you to be concerned, deeply concerned, lest there's a promise that I have given that you don't enter into the experience of it. I have to admit in my own judgment or that you really have fallen short of becoming the fulfillment of what that promise is saying. I preached in Holdenville, Oklahoma here a couple years ago and I started out my message that every scripture, every promise, every fact written here in the New Testament is to be literally fulfilled within your experience. And I had a lady that had been in Christ for 35 years, <clears throat> which is longer than I've been. She had been spirit-filled and a student of the Bible for at least 32 years. And this was her remark after at the end of me. She says, your first remark when you start preaching tonight, she just quoted what I've just said. She says, it's the first time that I really became aware that God intends for what is written to be reproduced within my experience. And I was shocked by that. <clears throat> and I don't think that that emphasis really is given too much in the body of Christ at all. The emphasis is given to believe in the scriptures, to believe in Jesus, to believe in all the promises, but never, the emphasis isn't really intensely made by which what is written is to be reproduced experientially within our own experience. And in my judgment, it may not be valid, but I don't know of anybody that, I really don't know of anybody that is deeply, deeply, deeply concerned 
about the promises not being reproduced within their experience. And yet this is the way I read the scripture. I read it very personally, Royal. I want you to be very deeply concerned lest the promise that I've given does not become fulfilled within your experience. And I mull on that a while and I, I let the Holy Spirit begin to bother me. But even if people are bothered, they, they just don't know what to do to become experienced with the scriptures. Of course, the very next scripture gives a clue to that. It says, for indeed we have had the good news preached to us just as they also. And, we have, and then I'll ask, well, so who is the we people and who is the they people? Well, I think if we have any perception at all, they is talking about all the people on the other side of the cross. We, all the people in Christ, or believers in Christ, on this side of the cross, have had the good news preached to us just like they, all the people on the other side of the cross. And then it goes on to make a profound statement, but <clears throat> they did not mix the word with faith when they heard it. And then another shocking uh, fact is that what was their problem is our problem. We are not aware, and massive majority of people are not aware that they are not mixing faith with the word or that they're hearing or with the word that they believe. I think presumptuously, maybe in blindness of heart and mind, maybe in self-deceit, we presume that the ability to believe the promise is the same thing or equal to as faith. But that's not really true. <clears throat> the ability or the power to believe a promise is a mind ability. The ability or the power to have faith is a spirit ability. So if we can believe in the promise, we can really give consent that that really is true. God really, that's true in God. But what do we do to mix faith with it? And how do we do it? Because here are the same problems that was the believers in Jehovah prior to the cross of Jesus is the same problems of believers on this side of the cross, without exception. So we have to go back and find out what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 says faith is the substance could we say faith is the divine substance of Jesus Christ? I think so. Faith really is the spiritual substance, the spiritual experience, the spiritual reality of Jesus Christ. The th faith is the substance of the thing we've been hoping for. It's the evidence of things that's the provision of God in the unseen realm. So if we're going to mix faith with the promise, we have to mix the experience, the spiritual life and the spiritual character and the spiritual ability that only exists in Jesus Christ with the promise that we believe. But we don't know how to do that. The mind cannot produce it. Now we go back to 1 Corinthians 2.14. And this is a terrible, shocking scripture here to me. 1 Corinthians 14 says, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Well, we have to identify just what in the world is the natural man. The, the word natural is sukikos in the Greek. 
Sukikos is a Greek word that comes from the primary root of suke. Suke is your soul, and your soul is your mind. So we could say then that the mind of man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can the mind know the things of God. And this word know, uh, let me see what, it, what I've got here. Neither can the mind know. I haven't got it in, written down, down in here. But I'm sure that it's, neither can the mind experience the things of God. For they're foolish in them. But they are spirit discerned. They are spirit experienced. Most believers, everywhere I go, I ask, I ask believers, I say, <clears throat> how many of you can discern, perceive, or literally recognize or identify your human spirit as something different from your mind? And without exception, almost all believers cannot do that. Therefore, because they have not learned to divide or discern or separate or identify their spirit as something different from their mind, they're always caught in the scripture of 2 Timothy 3.5, having a form of godliness but not being the experience of it. 2 Timothy 3.7, ever learning but never coming to the experience of truth. I've been challenging believers, especially the last five, six years since Jesus has been appearing to me, because it's been in these years and more pronounced that I'm aware that all that is written here is to be reproduced experientially in my experience while alive. When you stop to think of the scripture that Jesus said, you shall be perfect even if your heavenly Father in heaven is perfect, was well, ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. Uh, surely God, Jesus could not have meant that. And even if he meant that, most people know and don't even believe that they can ever be perfect as a Heavenly Father. Or if they do believe that that's possible, they believe that it's not possible until after death and up into the resurrection. But the scripture says now, now is right now, now faith is the substance of the promise that we're believing right now. Now faith brings into our experience that which has been the provision or the reality of the promise in the unseen realm. But I think that we're all smart enough, all believers are, that we just aren't smart enough to be that perfect. You shall be perfect even as your heavenly Father in heaven is perfect. I got people everywhere that, see, in, in Austin, Texas, I was, I was preaching on this, this particular theme thought, that you shall be perfect even as your heavenly Father. And I walked up to a man, and I said, do you believe that? He says, well, I already am perfect. I says, um, do you, are you, what you're saying, that then you are capable to perform the abilities and character and power the work of the Heavenly Father? And real snotty said, well, are you perfect? You see? He, he, was, he was taught that, that our confession by faith makes it so. 
Well, you see, our confession by faith does not make it so. Our experience of it makes it so. You don't confess your way to get faith. You get faith and confess it, and it's so. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The, the adage, the fallacy of naming it and claiming it is not scripturally sound. The truth is, is that Jesus Christ, when he imparts his own faith in your spirit, and you hear it in your spirit, faith comes by hearing, and that by hearing the rhema. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now I've got your minds distracted here. Yeah. Okay. Now, all right. Let somebody take care of it. I'd rather you concentrate on me so we don't lose what I'm saying here. Very, very important. The people of God are not being taught what to do to get faith. They're taught to believe in faith. They're taught to believe in the promises. They're taught to believe in everything that they say, but they are not taught what to do to get faith. Even not only are they not taught what to do to get faith, but they're not taught how to do it so that they really get it. Now just, just stop and consider now that here we are 1987 years from the cross and we don't know of any believer that has ever in 1987 years that has been brought to the absolute experience of faith. We don't know of any believer that's come to the perfection of the Heavenly Father. Because even if we, if we try to believe, yeah, I believe that we are to be perfect as a Heavenly Father. Yes, but great. What good is it to believe in it if we can't do it, do it or become it? Now, I think all of us sitting here in this room are literally aware that we just aren't smart enough to be that kind of perfect. But did Jesus really mean it when he said, you, 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 you the believer, really are to be as perfect as the Heavenly Father? And when you stop to think about that, that's a mind-boggling remark. That's a literal Did he really mean that? I don't think that God says something foolishly or lightly or carelessly or deceitfully. If he said that you, the believer, are to be perfect as your Heavenly Father in heaven is perfect, he meant that. Why hasn't anybody ever attained it? Because they have not known how to cooperate with him to let him form the perfection of himself in them. They believe, even if they would, for example, in Hebrews 6, 1, it says, let us set aside the elementary doctrines about Christ. Let us go on to perfection. Now, I want to just identify that word perfection a little bit because I get so many people, well, I don't believe anybody be perfect. Well, I don't believe, and I said, well, you might be right that there's nobody is perfect, but Jesus said, you shall be perfect. Now, if he said, you shall be perfect, there must be some means by which you can become that. And yet the natural mind cannot receive the things of God, cannot know the things of God, cannot experience the things of God. Only the spirit can. Therefore, because no one has ever become the perfection of the Heavenly Father, we have to presume that we have 
been a believer that's ever been learning but never coming to the experienced knowledge of truth. And we don't even know what to do to allow God to do that. And yet there must be a way. This man turned to me in real haughty, but are you perfect? I said, no, I'm not. But I believe that he's beginning to unfold some of the methods, some of the responsibilities that I need to do to allow him to have the opportunity to form the perfection of himself in me. I'm just not smart enough to be perfect. But he is not only perfect, but he's smart enough to be able to perform it in me. But if I don't cooperate with him, he will not do it. The scripture has been so pronounced to me in the last, well, last year, 2 Timothy 2.5, where it's written, the athlete does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. For the first time in 27 years in Christ, I heard the Spirit of God saying something, Royal, you're not going to win the prize of perfection unless you order your life according to the rules. R rules? What rules are you talking about? All I've ever heard since I've been in Christ, and, I, and what I used to teach is, it's all by grace through faith. No rules. Just all by grace through faith. As though there's no responsibility on my part. All I had to just sit around and believe, and trust, and hope. But the scripture says in Hebrews 4, 2, I want you to mix faith with you shall be perfect. Well, what in the world do I do so I can mix faith? Well, the scripture is very clear. Look away unto Jesus so that he can author faith. Look away unto Jesus so that he can incarnate perfection in you. Well, the word look away is an action word. What in the world do you do According to that rule, you could say, look away then is a spiritual rule. I ask believers everywhere, what in the world do you do to look away into Jesus? And how do you do it so that he does author and finish faith? It's, it's, not, a, it's not enough for me to preach to this man. I want you to, to look away unto Jesus so he can author and finish faith. If I can't teach you how to do it. Now, the Bible does not teach us how. It only teaches you what. The, what to do? The Bible says for you and I to look away into Jesus so that he can author and finish faith. Oh, that's great. But what do I do to do it? And even more severe, how do I do it so that it works? And everywhere I'm going, I'm asking people, I says, now, from now on, do yourself a favor. Whoever you're listening to, whether it's me, Karen, Pastor Warren, or any other preacher, teacher, seminar, retreats, whatever, ask yourself these three questions. Number one, is he or she teaching me what to believe? And everybody is teaching us what to believe. And we're divided in that. We can't get together on what to believe. Now, let's be a little bit more severe. Ask yourself, is he or she teaching me what to do with what I believe? 
you keep hearing him quote the, the, the scripture, be ye doers of the word, not only hearers of it, lest you be deceivers of yourself. All right? Be ye doers of the word of looking away into Jesus so that he can author and finish faith. If you don't do the looking away according to rules that he's designed, he cannot author and finish faith. He will not overlook, he will not bypass our lack of understanding. He will not overrule our stupidity to author and finish faith. If a man doesn't order his life to compete according to the rules of looking away into Jesus, Jesus cannot, will not author and finish faith in us. Now think of that. We, we've missed it. Somewhere we've missed it. Now, question number three. Whoever you're listening to, I don't care whether it's a tape, whether it's a book you're reading, or whether it's television ministry, a pulpit ministry, whatever. The third question, is he or she teaching me how to do what I need to do because I believe this? And you're going to be surprised. No one is teaching us how. They're simply telling you what to believe, and in some cases, they're telling you what to do. Now, for example, a very famous preacher, a very accepted ministry in the world today, very popular, world-renowned. I listened to him one night on television uh, in my motel room in Ohio, <coughs> and he is very noted for teaching the difference between the Logos word and the Rhema word. And he, he was going through a lot of detail to identify the difference between the Logos word and the... And he said, now, the Logos word is an uttered word or a written word that is just knowledge. But the Rhema word is a word that the Spirit quickens to give you faith. He said, now, I want you to listen to the Spirit so you can have faith. He was telling me, I want you to listen to the Spirit so you have faith. Well, great. Well, what do I do to listen to the Spirit and how do I do it so that I really can have faith? He never come up with them answers. What good is it for me to tell this man or an audience of people, I want you to listen to the Spirit if I don't teach them exactly what to do and how to do it so that they can hear with faith. Faith comes by hearing and that by hearing the rhema. Faith doesn't come by hearing the Logos, but by hearing the Rhema. Now, right now, you're hearing the Logos Word, because the Logos Word is what is uttered, or what is written. But if it never gets past your head, into your heart, where the Holy Spirit can quicken it, and make it alive, and incarnate it with faith, it's something that you're always learning never coming to the experience of truth. Am I making sense? Now, what is it between the difference of knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is who, what, and where of the word. But wisdom is how, when, and why to make the knowledge work. We got everybody teaching people the knowledge of the word. But we don't find very many leaders that is teaching the people the wisdom of the word. Now, how in the world are you going to get wisdom? Because the Bible does not tell you how. But the scripture says Jesus Christ is made to us the wisdom of God. What did I say? The knowledge is who, what, and where of the word. But wisdom is how or when or why to make the knowledge of the word work. 
So if Jesus Christ has made to us wisdom, we're going to have to have a relationship with him. Where is he? He's in the spirit. He's not in our minds. We're going to have to have a relationship with him in spirit. Well, what in the world do you do to ever get in the spirit then? Because we've already quoted, the mind of man cannot receive the things of God, cannot know the things of God, cannot experience the things of God. Only the spirit of man can. And because our mind has ever been learning, we've never become the literal experience of the word. Because we've ever been learning, we've never mixed faith with the word that we're hearing. Now, faith is the substance of Jesus Christ that comes into your experience out of the unseen realm, out of the spirit realm. Where is Jesus? He's the unseen realm. He's in the spirit realm. If we never get into the spirit, he can never become the wisdom of God to make the knowledge of God work. We can never hear the, the rhema by natural hearing. We hear the rhema by spiritual hearing. But if our mind is ruling and reigning and learning and knowing, it'll never experience the reality of the word. When I come to the realization that I myself, my mind has been so dominant to learn about God, to think about God, talk like God, act like God, speak like God, but never have God's results, I begin to realize that I have been a very soulish Christian. Jesus wants us to learn to live and walk in the Spirit, not live and walk in our minds. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, Except a man lose his life, he cannot find life. And you start looking this out in the Greek. Except a man lose his suke, he cannot find zoe. What is suke? Except a man lose his mind, he cannot find zoe life. What is zoe life? Theophysical life, God physical life. If we don't lose our minds, we're not going to gain God physical life. Think of that. What in the world do we do to lose our minds? And how do we do it so we really lose it? Now stop to think about it. The mind of man cannot receive the things of God, cannot experientially know the things of God. Only the Spirit can. Here we've been a people in Christ for 1987 years, ever learning about God, but never coming to the experience of God, never coming to the experience of being the perfection of the Heavenly Father. It's impossible for the mind to create the perfection of the Heavenly Father. It's only possible for Christ Jesus. Where is he? He's in your spirit if you're born again. Your spirit, your spirit, your spirit. If we can look away into Jesus correctly in the spirit where he himself can quicken and author the substance of himself in our experience, we can become the perfection of the Heavenly Father. You and I just aren't smart enough. The psalmist said, man in his highest, highest state is altogether vanity. Now, I want to read a little bit here to show you. The, so I come along and I de-emphasize the, the, the possibility of your mind being valuable to you. It does not mean that it should be dysfunctional or that it's to be extinct or destroyed and eliminated. No, no, no. What it does mean is God or Jesus is saying, I want you to literally deny yourself the privilege of you using the faculties of your mind. And I want you to learn to live and walk in the spirit. Now let's look at Romans 8, verse 5. And I want to read it out of the Amplified. 
we'll see the futility of it. Romans 8, verse 5, and I'd like to read it out of the Amplified. For those who are yielding and submitting their minds to the flesh and its senses are controlled by its desires. They have set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are yielding and submitting their minds to their spirit, controlled by the desire of the spirit, have submitted their minds and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to talk, think about this. Now here we got the outer man, which is flesh. We got the, the middle man, which is soul. And then we got the inner man, which is spirit. Here the scripture is saying, if you're going to submit your mind to all the things that you're going to receive through your outer senses to gratify your mind and your emotions and your will, it's death. But if you will subject your mind to the spirit and its senses, you will receive life. Let's go back to verse 6. Now the mind that is submissive to the flesh which is reason and sense and logic and intellect without the spirit is death. Death that compri comprises of all the misery arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind that will be submissive to the spirit, to the Holy Spirit and the spirit, is life and soul peace, both now and forever. That is because the mind of the flesh with its originating thoughts and purposes is hostile to God, for it does not submit itself to God. Indeed, that cannot be receptive to the things of God. So then those who are living their life, their, their soul life, from the dominance of the senses of the flesh, catering to its appetites and impulses and their desires, cannot please God or be acceptable to, to Him. Now let's look at Romans 6.16. We'll see another testimony of it. Don't you know that if you're going to subject or surrender your mind and its faculties to your flesh, you are the slaves of your flesh. Whether it be sin, which leads to death, or whether it be righteousness, which leads to life. People have never been taught the techniques, the mechanics, the methods, the disciplines, the commitments, of just who they're going to submit their mind to. Look at this. So I take my mind and I submit it to all my outside senses. I read the Word. Jesus said in John 5, 39 and 40, you search out the Scriptures from your mind through your physical senses, but they only tell about me. Or you search out the Scriptures and you think you have, in them you have eternal life, but they only tell about me but you never come to me. Here we are using our minds through our outside senses to come to the Word, thinking that here we really got eternal life. But in verse 40 of John 5, he says, but you never come to me. We never learn that there's a difference of coming to the Word through our outside senses or coming to Him in our spirit and the inside senses. And the people of God are, have not been taught that there really is a difference because you hear them say, get into the Word, get into the Word, come to the Word, come to the Word, come to the Word. You hear that all the time. Get into the Word. But you never hear them say, come to Jesus. 
they really have been assumed automatically that because they come to this book that that is coming to Jesus. But Jesus said, it only tells about me. There's where you only learn about me. But if you redirect your mind and its faculties to not your outside senses and what you can learn, but to your spirit where I'm living and moving and seeing, come to me, then you will receive life. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I think that we've missed it for 1987 years. We have presumed in innocence, but in deception, that coming to this book is going to get us eternal life. All it's gotten us ever learning, but never coming to the experience of truth. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth. But your mind cannot receive truth through your outside senses. Your, own, your mind can only receive truth as it is subjected to your spirit and its senses. Where Jesus Christ lives and moves and exists and having me. Jesus said to him that overcomes, Revelation 2 verse 7, to him that overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. Most people think the paradise of God is out there someplace. But the paradise of God is in the spirit, in your spirit. But see, we, we take our mind, we open up our baby blue eyes, we search out this book, oh, we think we got eternal life. But we never learned the art, the disciplines, the subjections of our, of our mind and its faculties to our inside life, to the inner man, to the paradise of God, to Jesus Christ who's in it. Because we've never overcome what? Well, we got another scripture that answers that. Rome, or Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the logos of God in their testimony, loving not their suke to its death. They overcome the devil because they didn't allow their mind to its death. How in the world do you allow your mind to die to its strength? Jesus said, except a man deny his mind, except he lose his mind, except he set his mind aside, he cannot find life. Luke 9, 23. That's great. But what do I do to lose it? And how do I do it? The scripture has all the answers. But it's not taught by knowledge. It's taught by wisdom. And I believe that the Lord is giving me wisdom. Exactly not only what to do, but how to do it. So that if we will do it, we can give him the liberty and the permission and the opportunity to author the substance of his own experience to be reproduced in our experience. If we can learn to really do the action of looking away into him, where? In our spirit, not through our outside senses, but our inside man, the inner man. If we can look, take our mind and subject it to him, looking away into Jesus, not way out here someplace in the physical air, but inside the inner man, then he will author faith. He will author the substance of himself. He will author the very nature of his being. He will author his own experience to be reproduced in us. The scripture is very clear. As long as a man is going to submit all of his mind faculties and soul faculties to his outside sense, he's only going to learn about God. He's going to only, he'll never experience God. He's only going to learn about it. But if he will take his mind and all his faculties and submit it to his spirit 
and to the Holy Spirit in his inner man, then Jesus Christ himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will literally reproduce his faith, his substance, his experience, by the power of the Holy Spirit, into our experience. Now, the scripture says, be not conformed to this world, but by, but be ye, but, but be, ye, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, Jesus has appeared to me in my inner man, in vision form. I hear him as like I hear you. He says, my son, the renewing of your mind is not your work, but it's my work. Now, I want you to come to me and abide in my presence so that I can work. What's he saying? Royal, you cannot get the renewed mind through your outer senses. I want you to come to me, your inner man and its senses. Then I'll work. If I keep coming to the word on the outside and never come to him on the inside, I will never change. I'll ever be learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Isn't this tremendous? What in the world do we do to look away unto Jesus so he can author and finish faith? What do we do differently from coming to the word on the outside to coming to the word on the inside? Coming to the word on the outside is coming to the logos. Coming to the word on the inside is coming to the rhema. And faith comes by hearing and that by hearing the rhema. Not by hearing the logos. It's very, the logos and the rhema are exactly the same word. It all depends how it comes to your mind, through the outside senses or through the inside senses. As long as we're going to, even though I'm speaking the word now, it still has to come through your ears and it has to penetrate through your mind, through your subconscious, into your heart, and there where the Holy Spirit will quicken it and make it rhema and you'll hear it with faith. Faith comes by hearing. Isn't that marvelous? We haven't been taught that. We've got to learn about God. Come to the Word. Come to the Word. Come to the Word. But we've never been taught to come to Him. We've never been taught the responsibility of denying our mind's origins. Now, I want you to say, I want to, I want to stress this. God is not interested in the, in the destruction of your mind. He's not interested in its extinction and loss. He's not interested in its not being used. He just don't want you using it. He wants you to will to submit it to him and him alone in your inner man. Look away unto Jesus so that he can author and finish faith. But you have to do it according to the rules. You have to do it according to laws that he has designed. If a man does not submit his mind to the Spirit of Jesus Christ in your inner man, you cannot experience the prize. You cannot experience the renewed mind. The renewed mind has got nothing, nothing to do with your ability to learn about God. Renewed mind is where Jesus, as you subject your mind to Jesus Christ in your inner man, as you literally subject it to, your, to Jesus Christ in your inner man, coming to him in your inner man, then he, by the Holy Spirit, will quicken your mind or spiritualize your mind with himself. Then your soul power is chained into spiritual substance. 
the renewed mind, the evidence of the renewed mind that every time it speaks, it has a divine result. The learned mind, every time that you act upon that which you've learned, with no result shows that you are a soulish Christian, that your mind is still living as Lord over the supremacy of your life. But when you, will, when you lose your mind, deny your mind, and give it to Jesus Christ, where he himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, quickens your mind with his own power, spiritualizing it, causing it to become the very substance of his own intelligence. This is the mind of Christ. You will never have a failure. You'll live victorious in every adversity. You'll live conqueror. You'll live winner. You'll live successful with the success of God Almighty if we learn to live in union with Him. Learn to live in the Spirit. Learn to walk in the Spirit. We're going to learn, learn to live in our minds. Huh. We did that for 1987 years. It's about time that the people of God be taught this is exactly what you do to learn to live and walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Great, but what do you do to do it? And how do you do it? You get it right back again. So, we got the same, same scripture. If you abide in me and my rhema abides in you, you shall speak it as you will. It'll leap into existence. The word if is conditional. The word abide is an action. He's saying conditional that you do the action of abiding in me in the spirit. The rhema will abide in you and you'll speak it as you will. It shall be done to you. Not what you've learned from your memory banks. No, what you've heard from the rhema in the spirit. If the people of God would be taught this is what you do to develop the ability of abiding in him in spirit, the frame of word would have supremacy in you, and no matter what your environment is, what your circumstances is, what your physical needs is, your mental needs is, your environmental needs, it'll always be your supply. Jesus never pleased himself. He never lived out of himself. Himself was his mind. He never lived out of his mind. He says, I do only what I hear my father saying. Or I do only what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father say. It was very, very easy for him. He didn't have to think up something to preach. He simply lived and walked in the Spirit. He heard the voice of the Spirit. He said what he heard, heard the Father saying through the Spirit. And that was the incarnate rhema word. Praise the Lord. And he said, he that's seen me has seen the Father. That wasn't so much Jesus talking as that was the living rhema speaking out as logos to the people. But they had to hear the rhema. This is why he said, he that seen me has seen the Father. They in their mind said, well, if I see you, I see the Father? That wasn't Jesus talking. That was the rhema speaking out from Logos. Did you, do you understand this? And so here they said, the word was saying in Jesus Christ, the humanity of Jesus Christ, if you've seen me, the rhema, you've seen the Father. <laughs> Isn't that marvelous? So now we go right back again. The ability to do the action of abiding, the ability to do the, the looking away unto Jesus has to be done according to the rules. Now, the scripture says, now we've quoted it before. <clears throat> Could you get me a glass of water, please, David? The scripture says, you, 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 the believer, have been predestined to be conformed. You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, if you ever become the image of the Son, you'll be the perfection of the Father. Doesn't that make sense? Yes. 
Well, that's great. What in the world is my responsibility then so that I can become the perfection of the Father, so that I can become the image of the Son? What in the world do I have to do? Glad you asked me. The scripture says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, while beholding him, while looking away into him, you will be changed into his image by the miracle workings of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't do the looking away according to it, uh, unto him, according to rules, if you don't do the work of beholding him according to the rules, he cannot and he will not do the changing. That's why for 1987 years from the cross, we have found no one that has ever become the image of the Son because they haven't did it right. They believed in it. They've given consent to it. They've mouthed it. They've approved of it. But they haven't did the work of it because nobody has been teaching them what to do. All right, that's great. To, to predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, looking away into Jesus so he can author and finish faith. While beholding him, you will be changed into his image. Well, how's that going to be done? Well, you've got to deny your mind. Well, that's great. Deny your mind. Just what do you do? And how do you do it to deny your mind? 